your Bible, please. Jeremiah chapter number eight. <clears throat> Wonderful to be here this week. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the fellowship. I love your pastor. I mean that from my heart. Uh, Ma, you have a wonderful man of God. He loves you people. He prays for you. He tries to help you. He tries to reach out to a lost and dying world. I would be honored. I would be. If I was a member of this church, I'd count an honor. This is a wonderful, wonderful church. Now, let me encourage you. You say, preacher, I invited somebody. They didn't come. Let me encourage you greatly. Call them. Try to get them here on Sunday. Unsaved people are more likely to come to church on Sunday than they are through the week. So you call them, you invite them, and uh, pray for them. And I thank God for the privilege of being here this week. I called my wife this evening, and uh, wonderful news back home. They're having, it starts tomorrow at noon. And by the time I get home tomorrow night at 9 o'clock, they will have had three inches of snow and probably a 35-mile-an-hour wind. So, uh, you know, that's life, and that's how it is. From the airport to where I live, it's all farmland. It's about seven and a half miles. So uh, you pray for my wife as she comes and gets me. She said, I may not come, you know, but uh, that's okay. Whatever works. But thank you again for a wonderful week. Look in your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 8, 1 verse, verse number 20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. If tonight somehow we turn it down and stand outside the gates of hell, they come out from behind those gates, I believe we'd hear these words. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. On judgment day, the great choir of the damned will sing in unison. The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. That verse breaks up into three tremendous thoughts. Number one, first of all, my friend, there is an exhortation. Now, thank God tonight, that's not true. Jesus Christ said, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white under harvest. What did Christ say? There are people out there that want to get saved, well, they're waiting on you to tell them how to get saved. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Why aren't more people saved? Because they don't desire it, no, because no one tells them how to get saved. The laborers are few. Now, let me point out something, if I may. Years ago, a, a third grade Sunday school teacher stood in front of his class and made this statement. He said, boys, why do you reckon people call me a Christian? One third grader raised his hand and said, sir, that's very simple, because they don't know you. Huh? My friend, first of all, how you live makes an impact on somebody else's life. The Bible says nobody, not just preachers, nobody lives to himself, nobody dies to himself. How you live affects somebody, affects somebody eternally, affects somebody when they get saved or they don't get saved. Paul said that Christ may be manifest, that means sin in my body. Why? That they might find Christ as their Savior. It's so important, I'll repeat myself, that my friend, as believers, we live as Christ will live. We act as Christ would act. I'll say it again. We react. We react as Christ would react. Many years ago, a strange thing happened, and it happened time and time again, but, but it's interesting about this thing. In one year, a church baptized, you ready for this? 129 people. I don't miss this. The 129 people, their church baptized, before their conversion to Christ, ready? 102 were professing atheists. The church I just mentioned, sir, is the First Baptist Church of Moscow, Russia. 
The only church in Russia that maybe legally could preach the gospel. However, you cannot have revival. You cannot go on visitation. You cannot give your testimony. You cannot give out a gospel tract. In those days in Russia, the only way somebody gets saved is this. The man they worked beside in some communist factory lived for God and they saw Christ. A neighbor in the apartment next to him lived for God and they saw Christ. Think of that, my friend. In one year, 129 people that were atheists found Christ as their Savior. Don't ever say, how about I live this my business? That's a lie, sir. The Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. You're not your property. You're Christ's property. And my friend, the only Bible some people will see is they watch you as you live day by day. I hope you live for the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ezekiel chapter 36. God said this. Then the heathen, think of the word, heathen, the heathen. Who are heathen? Not just unbelievers. Heathen are right unbelievers. Heathen are right people who don't believe in God. Hear what the Bible says. Then the heathen which are among you shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when? When I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Man, get the power of that. God Almighty said, even atheists will come and get saved when, when Christians live right, act right, talk right. They come to realize Christ was did not crucified, put in a tomb, and rotted and decayed. He's alive because they see him living in you. I don't want to hear it anymore. How I live is my business. Friend, I'll say it again. If you're saved, it's Christ's business. The Bible says nobody, I don't care who you are, what you are, nobody lives to himself and nobody dies to himself. How you live will populate heaven. How you live will stuff somebody into hell. Oh, my friend, your life is so very, very important. Number one, an exhortation to live for God. Number two, an exhortation to use our lips for God. Turn your Bible, if you would, please. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 2. Now, you're in Jeremiah. After Jeremiah, the little book called Lamentations, then the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2. Will you turn there, please? A great Bible is lesson on the importance of witnessing, the importance of using our lips for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, people don't get saved with a psychic hotline. Folks don't get saved because you live a good life. That's part of it. But nobody ever got saved because of that. Folks get saved. Why? Your Bible tells you faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Unsaved people see you living for God. They say, well, that's nice to live for God. They're nice people. They have something. They will not know who you have unless you tell them how that someone is Jesus Christ. Look in your Bible again. Ezekiel chapter number 2. Ezekiel is a prisoner of war, okay? And God comes to him and God speaks to him. And in verse number four, God tells Ezekiel, thou shalt say unto them. What's the word? Say unto them, thus saith the Lord. Look in your Bible again. Ezekiel chapter two, verse number seven. Again, God tells Ezekiel, thou shalt speak my words unto them. Again, look at chapter three. Look at verse number one. Go speak unto the house of Israel. Again, look in your Bible. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 4, said to me, Son of man, go, get thee to the house of Israel, and speak my words. Speak my words. He's hammering this thing. Tell people, tell people. Again, my friend, look on down. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse number 11, go, get thee to the limb of the captivity of the children of thy people, and speak unto them, 
and tell them. Again, twice in one verse, it's so urgent. Speak to them. Tell them, thus saith the Lord God. Six times, God tells Ezekiel, go and speak and go and tell them. Six times. What was their response? Let me ask you a question. How many sermons have you heard on witnessing? How many sermons have you heard on soul winning? And yet you're still not doing it, are you? Look on down, look on down. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 15. Then I came to them in the captivity at Tel Aviv, dwelt with them at Chebar. I said what they said and remained there astonished among them seven days. Six times God spoke to him. Ezekiel was just like some of you. He went and sat down. He didn't tell. He didn't witness. He didn't warn. He just sat there, that's all. Visitation night, he would have sat there. Opportunity to witness, he would have sat there. Now wait, that's not the end of the story. Look at your Bible. Ezekiel chapter 3. Look at verse 16. God does some speaking. Verse 16. Came to pass it into seven days, where the Lord come unto me, saying, Son of man, I made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, do the word of my mouth and give them warning from me. Look at verse 18. I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, die in his sin, go to hell in his sin, but his blood will I require at thy hand. What does that mean? And maybe it's right through your own judgment. The people you should have warned, your family, a co-worker, a hunting, a fishing bow, you didn't warn. And maybe on that day, their blood will drip from your hands. Paul said, I'm free from the blood of all men. I've witnessed, I've witnessed. I've labored. I've done what's right. Years ago, evangelist R.A. Torrey went around the world and led literally hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus Christ. Great evangelistic crusades. Had a with him, Charles Alexander. Charles Alexander had choirs sometime in foreign country. In the choir, he'd have 10,000 people. A master of choirs, but also a great personal soul winner. Alexander and Tory were in London, England. One afternoon, Alexander went down to get something to eat, walked in a restaurant, and uh, he was seated. As he seated, he looked up, saw a young man coming toward his table. He said the Holy Spirit typed him on the shoulder and said witness to that young man. Alexander sat there. The young man came and gave him a menu, asked what he wanted to drink, and left. Alexander sat there. He said, looked up, saw a man coming. Again, the Spirit of God urged him, said, speak to that young man. Tell him how to get saved. He didn't do it. The young man came, and Alexander gave his order. Time went by. The door's kitchen door was open. He brought the meal out, put it down. Alexander said, once again, he could sense the Holy Spirit telling him, witness to that young man, but he didn't do it. Finished his meal. Young man came and brought the ticket. Alexander said this. He witnessed to thousands of people. Never in my life, he said, have I felt the urgency to witness as I felt then. I didn't do it. So I paid the bill. I walked outside, walked a block down the street, and said, I blew it. I blew it. Said, I turned around. I walked a block back. I went in. The manager met me. He said, sir, I'd like to speak to that tall young waiter, the waiter on my table. I know but here's the deal. You let me speak to him, I'll give you $20, and I'll give him $20. Now, I must talk to him. 
The manager said, you were just here. He said, yes, sir. You sat right there. He said, yes, sir. That young man waited on you. He said, yes, sir. He said, mister, I don't know what you are. I don't know what your business is supposed to be. It must not have been real, real important. After that young man waited on your table, he had all kinds of problems. Went upstairs, walked in the room, closed the door, took a derringer out of his pocket, cocked the revolver, put it to his head, and committed suicide. He said, mister, you're the last person that young man Hear me, if you're a Christian today, you're probably the only Christian between that person and the gates of hell. May God stir our hearts. I hear it. I'm saying that's all that matters. That's a lie. Hey, you have no monopoly on Calvary, sir. Christ died for that neighbor, died for that coworker. He, he hung on the cross. He did the dying. He bore their hell. All he asked us to do is one thing, go and tell him. And with our stick and pride, we won't do it. Shame on us. Number one, first of all, an exhortation. The harvest is past. Someday it'll be true. Number two, there is an expiration. Look at that again. The harvest is past. Then he said, the summer is ended. Now, wait a minute. I live in Illinois where they grow corn. That's all they grow, corn, corn. Uh, all over the place, corn. And now wait, when it's harvest time, they hit the tractors. They're in the field, 18, 20 hours a day, harvesting. Why? Because harvest time does not last forever. Hear me. God can save anybody. Paul said, Christ came in the world to save sinners, watch it, of whom I am chief. You lie to yourself to keep from witnessing, don't you? Well, that person's true witness. No, no, no. Paul said he saved the chief, but he can save the Indians. That's right. Paul said, I killed Christians. If he saved me, he can save that person. You're rationalizing into hell. That's right. My friend is so important in this area, uh, uh, this area of witnessing, an expiration. Unsaved people can get saved anywhere. Hear it. Unsaved people do not get saved anytime. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. Summer is harvest time. And God can save anybody, anybody, anywhere. Wake up, wake up. God does not save people just any time. The Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. The greatest lie unsaved people tell is this. I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. That's a lie. The only time an unsaved person has a desire to get saved is when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to his heart. Jesus said, no man cometh except the Father draw him. The Bible says, it's the spirit that quickeneth, make alive. The flesh profiteth nothing. I repeat that statement, it's so important. Only time an unsaved person has a desire to get saved is when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to their heart. Coming a time in the Bible where God speaks to people. They will not respond. God speaks again. The Bible says in one place, they would not believe. Someone witnessed to them. They said, no, no, I'm not. They would not believe. Wait, wait. The next chapter, your Bible says, they could not believe. Why? The Spirit of God had stopped speaking to their heart. Oh, my friend. 
If you're unsaved and tonight you have the slightest desire to get saved, if I was you, I'd run down this aisle to get saved tonight. The Bible says when you reject Christ, you're guilty of trampling on the body and splashing through the blood of Jesus Christ. After all he's done for you, you say, Christ, I don't want you. I'll trample on you. I'll splice through your blood. Shame on you. If you're unsaved and you reject Christ tonight, this may be the last time you have to escape eternal damnation. It's so important. Tonight, you flee the wrath to come. I like that word. Flee. Get excited about going to heaven instead of hell. Flee from the wrath to come. It's got you in your heart even before I'm You want to get saved? Get out of there. Come on down here. And then I have somebody I'd love to show you how to get saved. I was preaching down in, uh, excuse me, I was preaching out in Wyoming. And uh, Sunday night, a couple come to church. This couple was just strikingly attractive. Young lady had blonde hair and blue eyes, a beautiful young lady. Young man was a handsome, I'll tell you how handsome he was. People thought he was my identical twin brother. They did. I mean, he was a good-looking guy, I'll tell you that right now. And they came in and sat in the back, and after the service, the guy invited him to come up and said, hey, I'll tell you about that guy. I said, okay. He said, a few years ago, we had a Fruit of the Loom underwear factory here in town. I'll just speak of that briefly, but anyway. He said, we had a Fruit of the Loom underwear factory. Some of you got it. That's good. And he said, uh, the factory closed down. He said, that guy was head of it. It didn't close down for the lack of They wanted to relocate to a foreign country. He said, that guy's buyout was several million dollars. He said, that guy is my best friend. I invite him to revival. Afterward, he come to me and he said, uh, uh, listen to me. Is it okay if I come back the last night, Wednesday night? He said, I, I want you to come back. I want to hear that message that guy's going to preach. I look forward to seeing you. Sure enough, the guy came back with his wife that last night and sat back there. I preached that night. I finished preaching, had them bow their head. I said, if you're not sure you're safe, when I pray for you, raise your hand. He went just like this. Nine people raised their hand that night to get saved. I said, okay, we're going to sing a song. You want to get saved? Come and tell Pastor Cutler. You're a Christian. You want to come and pray for yourself. Pray. Come on, get out of there. We started singing, folks come to get saved. That man did not come. The pastor closed the service in prayer. Standing down front, the man I mentioned ran down front. He grabbed me. He was shaking. He was sweating. He said, I got to talk to you right now, right now. I want to talk to you right now. I said, okay, let's go. Went in the room, closed the door. How can I help? I don't know if you can or not. Let me tell you what happened. He said, 27 years ago, I was in a revival just like this. And God spoke to my heart. He said, I wept like I'm weeping now. There were tears. There was compassion. He said, I knew I should get saved. That night, I told God, no. He said, the preacher tonight was the first time in 27 years. God spoke to my heart about being saved. He said, can I still get saved? I said, sir, if God spoke to your heart, you can still get saved. You tell God no tonight. It may be the last time you hear God's voice until judgment day when he damns you right to your face. What's it going to be? He fell to his knees. I knelt beside him. He prayed and accepted Christ. The greatest lie the devil ever gave is I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. You'll never have a desire to get saved apart from the Holy Spirit. No man cometh except the Father draw him. And once God said this, 
My spirit will not always strive with man. That's Bible, Bible. You hear the voice of God, it may be the last time you hear that voice. Till judgment day when it's too late and you're cast into hell. Number one, an, ex, an ex, a, exhortation. Number two, an expiration. Number three, an exclamation. Look at that Jeremiah 8.20. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. The saddest words in the Bible. And we are not saved. Number one, not saved in spite of God's provision. Will you please hear me? When Christ was on the cross, the Bible said, he was sinless. On the cross, he could die for your sin and my sin and the sin of the entire world. On that cross, when Christ hung there, he suffered the hell for every individual that would ever live. The Bible says, he bore our sin in his body on the tree. The Bible word is substitute. He took your place. He died for your sin. So you would not have to go to hell. Now, if you're such a fool, in spite of the fact Christ paid for your sin, you say, I'm going to pay for my own sin, which you cannot do, and you're forever and ever trying to pay for your sin, and you can't do it. It's a no-win situation when you reject Jesus Christ. I'll be honest tonight. If I was here, I didn't know I was saved. I heard the Bible preach. Literally, I would run down this aisle tonight to get saved. Nothing's worth going to hell over. What's the profit of man? He gained the whole world and lose his own soul. Hell's for losers. My friend, if you're not sure you're saved, I trust tonight you'll come. The price is paid. All he asks you to do is come and accept him as your savior. Number two, my friend, saved in spite of pleading. That's all I can do. I can't get saved for you. If I could, I would. I can't. I can't. If you go to heaven, it's because you made the decision. You go to hell, you can't play the blame game. It's because you rejected Jesus Christ. Dwight O. Moody was one of the greatest evangelists ever lived. He lived in Chicago. And the World Fair one year was in Chicago, and Moody said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have revival meetings the same time the World's Fair is on. We're going to get people saved. He did. He rented the largest auditorium in Chicago, filled it every night, and some nights had five and 600 people saved the same time the World's Fair was going on. Right up, Moody one night stood up in that vast crowd to preach. He looked out. He saw a young man sitting on the front row. He started thinking, man, this is the 10th night of this crusade. That young man's been here every night, sit on the front row. Moody preached night number 10. But he's preaching and said, you're not sure you're saved. I want to pray for you. Raise your hand. The young man again raised his hand 10 nights in a row. Moody said, okay, we're going to sing a song. You want to get saved? Personal workers are down here. Come and tell them. They open the Bible and help you find Christ. Let's stand and sing. He said, we started singing. When he said that night, over 300 people walked down the aisle and got saved. That young man didn't come. When he turned to the song leader and said, sir, close in prayer, got his Bible, went down, and stood beside that young man. When the service ended, he said, son, could I talk to you? Oh, man. He said, I'd be honored, sir. He said, have a seat. So now you're not saved, are you? He said, no, sir, I'm going to show you how. He said, okay. Opened the Bible, showed him he was a sinner. Because of his sin, he was heading for the gates of hell. In spite of his sin, 
Jesus loved him and died for him. And to be a Christian, all he had to do was invite Christ into his heart. He said, now, son, let's kneel here. I'll pray with you. You can say, wait, 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 Moody. He said, I know I'm a sinner. God's been all over me these nights about getting saved. He said, Moody, I appreciate your concern. I really do. And I know I should get saved, but he said, uh, uh, not tonight, Moody. And he stood up and walked out the door. About two years went by. Right on, Moody lived in Chicago, walking down the street, looks across the street, there's that young man. Moody walked over and said, hey, my friend, how you doing? He said, okay. He said, son, let me ask you, have you ever been saved? He said, Moody, I think about that a lot. He said, no, I haven't. I know I need to, and I appreciate your concern, but, but not today, and he walked away down the street. Five more years go by. Dwight L. Moody, who up all passed the church and the of being an evangelist, went to the hospital to visit a church member. He got through, he looked at him and said, son, do you remember me? He said, you're Moody. That's right. And I'm going to ask you again, are you saved? He said, get saved, get saved, get saved. All I think about, I need to get saved. But he said, good, let's do it. He said, wait, no, no. He said, Moody, here's the deal. The first Sunday I'm out of this hospital, I'm coming out to your church. When you finish that sermon, I'll be the first one down the aisle to get saved. But not now. It never happened. From the first meeting, 11 years went by. Dwight L. Moody sat down to eat supper. He went and opened the door. There was a messenger boy there. Message for you, Mr. Moody. He unfolded it. He said, a man's dying at a certain address. Dwight L. Moody walked down, found the house, went up and knocked on the door. They opened the door. He said, I'm, I know who you are. I understand someone's dying, my son. Okay, can I talk to him? Don't waste your time. What do you mean? He says his damnation is sealed. Moody said, can I talk to him? She said, Moody, if you want to waste your time. Rada Moody said he walked up a flight of stairs, turned, walked down a hallway, started to walk in the room. The young man saw him and said, Moody, get out, get out. You've come to mock me. He said, Moody, time and time. Again, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart time and again, time again. I told him, no. He said, right by this bedside, two doctors stood there. They told me before sunrise, I'm going to die. He said, Moody, I'm certain when I die, I don't have a doubt, I'm going to hell. He said, Moody, I don't have the slightest desire to get saved. My heart is as hard as that my damnation is sealed. Do I tell Moody open the Bible? The boy become unconscious. All night long, Moody sat there praying, begging God, give me one more chance to show him how to get saved. Do I tell Moody said, just as the sun was rising, he looked over. He just barely saw the young man's lips moving. The great man of God stood up, went over, leaned down, put his ear next to the boy's lips. In just a whisper, here's what he heard. The harvest is past. Summer is 
ended. And I am not saved. I am not saved. Dwight L. Moody said he screamed and dropped into hell. He said, I'll get saved when I'm good and ready. I want to trample on Jesus Christ one more time. If you're not saved, God tells you when to get saved. Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. I've been doing this 51 years. Not one time. The preacher, guess what? Today I made reservations in hell. No one's ever told me that. And I'm not proud of this. Looking back over the years, I can think of scores of people come to revival, heard the gospel, raised a hand for prayer, rejected Christ. And right now tonight, they're in the one place they never wanted to be, the one place they never expected to be. They're the inhabitant of the halls of hell for all eternity with no way out. Why? They presumed on the grace of God one time too often. Hey! meet that young man I talked about in hell. If you're not sure you're saved, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Come tonight and settle this and make certain. Bow your head for prayer. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.